it's the owner can't sleep at night. So these are ownership issues, which are different from the 90% that everyone talks about all the time. And, and there are owners and there are employees. Employees go home at night to their mm -hmm. families and relax. And sleep. <laughs> owners never go home. Um, and so I deal with the issues that you know, makes owners crazy because they don't know what to do because there is no one to give them an answer. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Bruce. Bruce, thank you so much for being here today with us. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So give us a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Uh, great, great to be here. So I work with private company owners solving the problems that keep them awake at night. At a certain point in life, people know how to run their business. They've been through the ups and downs. They figure that out, but they start having nagging questions about issues they haven't dealt with before. And I help them build decision trees to understand their options and then evaluate those options and then help them get from point A to point B. Typical types of assignments are, what do I want to be when I grow up? Um, how do, we, how do we develop a business strategy that allows you as a human to have the life you want? And therefore, once we have a business strategy, how do we get the capital and talent to fund that growth? There's usually some M&A involved along the way. We want to put up some guardrails with some suitable governance for your situation, boards of directors, that kind of stuff. Usually a little conflict management in there along the way. Uh, and then we get into succession planning and then exit planning. Nice. So anything you along like that the spectrum is, What's that? Yeah, yeah. You know, when you've been around long enough, uh, you know, you see a few things. <laughs> True enough. So let's back up the bus a little bit. And how did you get into this, like the decision making? Sure. Acorn, if you will, as a thing. So, so I'll I'll segue a little bit. My yep. past has three phases, and the first two phases are what determine how I got to this phase. Uh, so graduate degrees in engineering and business, a bit of a geek, uh, spent 12 years in our third generation family business that we grew to about 500 million revenue and sold in an LBO. So I got a wonderful education, a really well-run business, solid blocking and tackling, um, both consumer and, uh, business to business side. Uh, we sold the business at the right time for the right reason. And then I went out in the world and started four companies and was a partner in a private equity fund. So wasn't fit for regular employment so I had to do something else. Um, along the way, I probably saw a hundred different businesses. Yeah. Um, and I was doing some, a little bit of consulting when I was kind of between gigs. And then last 10, 12 years or so, definitely not fit for employment. Who, who wants a regular job? Um, <laughs> my phone started ringing from uh, friends who say, listen, I got a situation, not sure what to do. Will you just have lunch with this guy? Sure, why not? Um, bring up some business cards, set up a website, and hey, you're a consultant. Uh, and uh, took me a while to figure out, I don't find the business, the business finds me. Tough to swallow, but once you accept it, it makes life a lot easier. Um, all my business is 100% referral. And so really for the last 10 years, I do two things. I have my consulting practice, most of it focuses on businesses 10 to 100 million revenue, certainly above and below. That's kind of you know what the bulk of it is. Mm -hmm. uh, my other portfolio, I serve as an independent director on private and family businesses. 
those are typically 50 to 500 million revenue. But it's really about what's the problem you're trying to solve and can I solve it or not? I'm an mm -hmm. engineer. I like solving problems. I, I want to solve interesting problems working with people worth spending time with. Here, here. I like that. Okay. <laughs> nice. So have you found that there's any kind of industries or anything like that in particular, or it's just, hey, uh, like actually, uh, I am industry agnostic. People don't like <laughs> to hear it, but um, for the I types guess. of issues I work with, your industry yeah. doesn't matter. You're not special. You're not different. There's only a half a dozen issues that come oh. up. They're dressed in different clothing, but um, you know, history doesn't doesn't repeat, but it damn sure rhymes. And um, <laughs> new, you know, part of the fun of what I do is you get to learn new industries. Yep. So I had a case where, believe it or not, uh, we used to export live cattle around the world. No cattle are bought and sold. They would put them on a plane at our airport and fly them to Saudi Arabia and Indonesia so that those people could have dairy products in their diet because they're kind of rice and beans and they're trying to move up the protein chain. Uh, and then after mad cow disease in England, they said, no, no more flying cows. Um, so they export the sperm and egg of cows, put them in liquid ice and then, you know, FedEx them over. Um, and I helped raise $6 million from a hedge fund to go grow this business, super profitable, really off the radar screen. Um, right. So anybody that uses the expression when pigs fly is it already has. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. in bovines, so, but I'm pretty so sure the, the cows point, can The point fly. is, <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm not from an agriculture background in any way. Um, <laughs> but you know, the very happy people are farmers so we can eat. Very yeah. happy. Um, but, um, you know, the, the business issues I deal with, it doesn't matter. I've done tech, I've done finance, I've done insurance, I've done every kind of widget company, chemical companies. It doesn't matter. And, and would you say that it comes down to that decision-making tree that people need to, or owners need to become more savvy at how so they make the decisions more? your question is. I used to do a lot of operational consulting. How do we grow sales? How do we take cost out? Um, mm -hmm. The flow I've seen the last 10 years is it's the owner can't sleep at night. So these are ownership issues, which are different from the 90% that everyone talks about all the time. And, and there are owners and there are employees. Employees go home at night to their mm -hmm. families and relax. And sleep. <laughs> owners never go home. Um, and so I deal with the issues that you know, makes owners crazy because they don't know what to do because there is no one to give them an answer. Right. And, and so it's about, it's about, you know, where are you today? I call that point A. Do you mm -hmm. know what's going on? Not everybody does. Where is point B? Where do you want to get to? Let, let's dream about like, if a genie gave you three wishes that make you completely happy, let, let's start with that. Once we know A and B, I can build a road between them or explain to you why it's not possible. Um, and that's how most of the assignments go. But that point A and point B part is about really what are your options? So a lot of, I get a lot of work about, hey, I'm thinking about selling my business, but I'm not sure. I've heard these horrible things about private equity people. I've got two right now where someone made them an offer they couldn't refuse. They never imagined selling their business. It was kind of like, dude, you got to look at this because this isn't going to come again. Um, and so we lay it all out and figure out what's best for you. I don't care if you sell or not. I want you to be happy. Right.
Nice. And would you find that most people, is there a pattern to why they're not able to make decisions? Yeah. So the, it's not because they're doing anything wrong or deficient. The issue is as humans, we have certain skills and experiences and anything that falls within that set, we know how to deal with. What creates opportunity for me is new stuff happens where you have no way to relate to it. So we sold this company in January, third generation machining business. He was thinking about turning it over. He's 47, his kid's 12. He said, boy, wouldn't it be great to turn the business over to Johnny? And no intention. And the phone rang and he got an unbelievable offer. He's like, I don't even know what to do with this. <laughs> um, it's literally, you know, it's literally, they want to hand me $75 million and I don't know what to say. Wow. And there's reasons to say, no, okay. you shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. And there's reasons to say, hey, this is the best thing that ever happened to you. And it took four months for him to say, yeah, this is the right reason and why. Because he wanted to protect his family. He wanted to protect his employees. He was concerned about who was taking the business. Um, you know, Didn't trust fast-talking people from out of town for good reason. Mm -hmm. um, and we just slowly marched through and evaluated. And I would bring examples, introduce them to people, explain how things work. So it's, he can make a decision with confidence for what was right for him. And I've had it go both ways. Nice. Well, and my immediate thought is, wow, if everybody that won the lottery went and talked to you first, they'd probably still have their millions. Because uh, I think they're making their decisions based on information that just doesn't apply anymore and they have no experience in. That's actually, you know, a great example. And sadly, most people who win a lottery, it ruins their life. Yeah. Um, uh, just proving, you know, money, money can rent friends and stuff, but it, it really creates misery, doesn't, doesn't right? buy happiness. Well, and you don't, you don't, I guess you don't realize what kind of, um, what kind of pools are out there that, you know, you just don't have experience and nobody can have experience in all of them. And, and right. but if that's your job to go and dabble in them, at least you have much more prepared. Right. And so I, I've been fortunate to have uh, had a lot of varied experience because, because I wasn't good at any one thing. So I learned a lot about, you know, a little enough about a lot <laughs> of things. Um, but, but also having seen enough have figured out, hey, if here's the issue, I don't have to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to find the pe right people with the expertise who can be trusted. That's just as valuable when you're, when you're a deer in headlights. And um, so I know how to hunt and I know how to source. Nice. Love it. So what would you say is your favorite part of your business? Uh, certainly, you know, working with good humans. Um, you know, the... I've never been, you know, if I do my job right, the project ends and I'm done. So I know I'm getting fired. I just don't know when. So I don't worry about that. Um, never been fired from a job. Have fired clients. But the best part is the relationships you build. You know, the work ends. Yeah. But now you have a collection of people where they're just good to, good to be with and they improve the quality of my life. And that's mm -hmm. really valuable. Nice. I love that. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. 
so let me go back to the one I just mentioned. It's this third generation machine shop. He was 47, 12 year old kid. Got this offer out of the blue for $75 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's called generational wealth for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I just explained how we went through the decision tree. Yep. Um, he was not buying in. We'd go through, but he's like, not good enough yet. Because he had, as, as you peel back down, in very specific criteria for very good reasons. Uh, the business was actually co-owned by, I'll say, the principal and the stepmom. Uh, the father had died, and the stepmom was interesting. Uh, found out that she didn't think she could live on less than a million dollars a year, um, and wasn't sure if that was Hard. enough. <laughs> Tough, um, <laughs> and uh, created a lot of stress for him to maintain her mm-hmm. and the lifestyle she had become accustomed to, even though she did wasn't did helping to help generate. <laughs> value in the business um and he was just a really good person with a good set of morals well he he shouldered the responsibility maybe even more than he needed to he could have pushed back himself but he always tried to take care of her um and she kept making it tough and we worked through that um we find at the point where he says okay i'm ready we got the deal done um you know, you look at your bank account the next morning, there's like all kinds of zeros in it. He called me up and, and and he was concerned and I was concerned that, you know, how's he going to feel afterwards? Because I'll tell everyone, you know, a couple years after you sell the business, you don't remember how much you paid and it's just a pile of money with no meaning. What you remember is the relationships that were changed or lost, what happened to your legacy and what's become of your life. And an extra... X or Y dollars will buy a few toys. After about six or nine months after getting the big check, people tend to stop spending because mm-hmm. the marginal value of the next Ferrari is it's a pain in the ass to take care of. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, you take the big trip and the cruise and all that stuff. So it's like, eh, all right, it's another bobble. Um, and and that's when the harshness sets in of, oh, so this is my new life. I gave away what I had been for 40 years. Now, who am I? What do I do? How do I identify? Where are my relationships? What's my purpose? I worked 60 hours a week. Now, you know, my joke is, now they're just another old guy at Starbucks with no one to boss around. Aimlessly uh, walking around over there. He's just looking for purpose. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I got to get my own coffee. What's this bullshit? Um, <laughs> Did, and, and, so did he buy another that, business? I can only but imagine that he either started another one or bought into something. Or... And, and so in this particular case, to answer your questions, yeah. two punchlines. One is he called the next day and said, thank you. I've never felt this good in my life. It Aww. wasn't the money. It mm. was the relief of the, the business pressure was grueling. His mm-hmm. customers were just brutal, morning, noon, and night. And, and the mother-in-law the stepmom, excuse me, is all that pressure was off him. He just had to go to work like a regular employee and he could actually come home and be with his kids. Nice. You know, wasn't about the money. Um, And yes, he, and I told him, listen, you're 47 years old. You're not going to the beach. 
you're going to, you know, first of all, you got to work for two or three years. You're going to start another business that he, this guy loved to race cars, like 24 hour demolition derbies and all that stuff. And he had a, hit a race shop in the back of his building. He went out the next day, bought another building, moved all of his race cars, said, just pay your team out of pocket. doesn't matter. He bought a bunch of buildings. He's building race cars. Like, what? you're a smart guy. You'll figure out stuff. So if yeah. you if you have a liquidity event before age 50 mm-hmm. versus between 50 and 60 and over 60, very different stories. Before yeah. 50, for the most part, you're going to do something else. Don't care what it is, but you'll figure it out. If you're between 50 and 60, you're kind of in the gray zone where, you know, if I have enough money, I still need something to do, but maybe I don't want a full-time job. So I'll consult, I'll sit on boards, I'll dabble in this or that. You know, if you're over 60, you're probably not buying another business. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're going to start some kind of sunset pattern. Um, But I'm a strong advocate is you need to start planning that before you start thinking about selling your business. Right. Uh, it takes several years to successfully transition from I'm the CEO, I'm working, I'm, I'm in charge to I have a new life. I don't have responsibilities. I can do anything I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a couple of years personally because you have to develop new relationships. Separate from, hey, I may need to spruce up the business to get the number I want. I, and I think a lot of people misunderstand that exit strategy step especially if they're the kind of person that likes to build the business, but not relinquish them. <laughs> so it's a, yeah, so, like understanding those four stages of business. Like there's the startup phases, there's the growth phases, there's the, the scaling phases, and then there's the exit phase. And they're all very different and require almost kind of person, different personality types. But if it's the same person, then you really have to kind of gear evolve. up and reinvent. Yeah. So, um, Separately, I write a column on Forbes.com and about two hours ago, just posted a new article on what I call life after the deal. This issue of you sell your business, you have a pile of money, but you've lost your purpose, identity, your social connections, and you feel disconnected and kind of lay out. Here's a bunch of things you can go do to understand the issues and then build a plan of attack. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of people don't realize those kind of phases we hear about it with athletes. We kind of know about it with retirees, but people don't realize that it's just as much in the entrepreneurial world. And if not more so, because we tend to look at our businesses as our baby, as well as this is who I am. And, and, how and you in the entrepreneurial world, we have a very high tolerance for risk. And um, you know, even with a successful exit, that risk tolerance in business because you know your market, you have the skill. That doesn't matter because those skills and that knowledge is is useless later. Mm-hmm. You know, after you sell your business, it requires a different set of skills and aptitudes and a different lens to view the world through. Absolutely. And all super important, which brings us to the point of, I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they uh, start that journey with you? Sure. Thanks. So a couple of things, uh, easy to get a hold of me. So uh, two websites, brucewerner.com, W-E-R-N-E-R. My business website is konaadvisors.com, Kona like the coffee. Uh, I publish uh, monthly on forbes.com, just type in my name. And also another site called financialpoise.com. 
the background is my first book on the ownership journey, kind of what we've been talking about now. My mm -hmm. next book comes out in September on private company governance. And my 2024 book is the whole life after the deal thing. So I'm thick in research now. That's why I'm talking about it because it's on my mind. I was going to say, somebody's a prolific writer. <laughs> so, awesome. Uh, I like, I look for interesting things. So when it occupies my mind, you know, when you write a book, you figure it out. Then the book is done. You go on the next one. Find an interesting problem to solve. Awesome. I love it. So we will, of course, have all of Bruce's links in the show notes. Just scroll down and get to the, the books or the websites, whichever ones uh, caught your interest the first. And be sure to keep listening because we're not done yet. So Bruce, I get to ask you at this point, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Uh, at the age of 25, I started a computer company. Um, and so uh, actually in college, I started a project, which uh, a research project, which while not a for-profit venture, same damn thing as starting a business. Um, so uh, been nuts for a long time. Excellent. We love it. <laughs> awesome. So you have been absolutely awesome. Thank Any last words for our peeps? uh be a good human be honest with yourself love it thank you so much for your time i appreciate it and i know how valuable Thanks. it is so peeps this is michelle Nedelec. thank you for being here with us today be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends we love helping entrepreneurs grow thank you for listening to our show i'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business as such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.